Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Lethal Podcast. This week we talked with Jeff Miller and Mitchell Hayfley over our Vantage Point Archery, or as a lot of people like to refer to them as, VPA. If you don't know who they are, VPA has been making some big, solid broadheads for a really long time, and they're definitely a staple in the archery industry. They've recently gone through a bit of a branding change, but they're still offering the same great products that they always have, uh, and we talked about what that whole process looked like, along with a lot of talk about their product lineup and all the stuff that they have to offer. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. You guys are definitely going to enjoy this one, and they give us a discount code uh, towards the end of the episode, so be sure to check that out. Uh, remember, this podcast is fueled by Hunter's Blank Coffee. Go get you some delicious coffee to keep you going during this COVID-19 quarantine, and give back to the land while you're doing it. Use code ABF at checkout to donate 10% of your purchase to the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. I'd like to uh, remind you, we don't make any money off of that, but we do love uh, when we can give back to the ABF in any way that we can. As always, if you like the content, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. By the time you're listening to this, our website might be down for a bit of maintenance. Uh, some update that Squarespace made broke everything, uh, but it'll be back up soon and better than ever. I can promise you that. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Jeff and Mitchell from Vantage Point Archery. Enjoy. You're down near where uh, ATA takes place. Where where are you guys based out of? So we are based here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So um, yeah, we were kind of discussing a little bit about the ATA. We're you know super fortunate to kind of have that in our backyard. We're about two hours north of Indianapolis, where um, pretty much each year they have the the ATA show. That's neat. That's neat. Uh, so are, are you guys getting ready for turkey season? Has Indiana done anything for turkey season? Like, have they canceled anything? I haven't heard anything so that they this, canceled anything. Yeah, I, I know it's one of those things where we keep, you know, seeing different um, states kind of come out with their own rules and regulations with all this COVID-19 stuff. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so we're, we're definitely keeping an eye on it. Um, I think everybody's itching to get outside and do some hunting anyways, but um, I no, haven't I heard anything for, for Indiana for our turkey season yet. That's good. Are either you guys big turkey hunters? Uh, Indiana is, is just coming back for the last few years of starting to see more and more turkeys, so we haven't really done much here, but they're coming back. Here in kind of the northern part of the state, um, they're not as prolific, but we actually have some farm ground down in southern Indiana. Um, and they seem to have a lot better population down there for whatever reason. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's neat. I'm a, I'm a big, big turkey guy. I'm being here in Missouri. We have a, uh, a, a really good, uh, turkey population and a great turkey hunting state. It seems like most of these Midwest states are pretty good for turkey. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it depends on the, on the population and the natural predators that live there. I don't, I don't know exactly what Indiana looks like, but, I would imagine it's uh it, it'll it'll serve them well once that population gets built up. So yeah. that's exciting. I'm happy happy for you guys. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we should see some positive changes here in the next, you know, five years or so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so ten, yeah, yeah, totally. So tonight we're hanging out with Jeff and Mitchell. Uh, uh they are with VPA with Vantage Point Archery. Uh, VPA has been making broadheads and amongst other stuff stuff for quite a while now but you guys have have quite the assortment uh, appreciate both you guys coming on and chatting with us tonight we're uh 
we're a bunch of broadhead nerds over here and VPA has kind of been a, a, a staple of, uh, of conversation in the broadhead industry, at least for the guys like us that like to shoot heavier stuff uh, for, for quite a while now. Uh, what are, well, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. What are your guys' roles in the company? Jeff, you want to go first, sir? Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's kind of started. Well, I've been a machinist my whole life and kind of, you know, bow hunter and just kind of put the two together and wanted to come up with a better product. And, and so it's kind of a hobby turned into a, a job and, and, uh, started in 2009, started the company name up and, and, uh, took off from there and it just kept on growing as it continues. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm always amazed. Obviously I have a different perspective on it. Um, so as, as we kind of chatted about earlier, my dad, um, Jeff, and then their business partner, Tim, you know, they've always had a, a manufacturing background. Um, you know, we still do uh, manufacturing for other industries, you know, out there as well. But uh, really, it just kind of came from Jeff's passion of, you know, being a bow hunter and outdoorsman and then understanding, OK, you know, hey, we have all this equipment around, um, you know, there's kind of a. Uh, you know, a gap, I guess, at that point in the market for, you know, a good quality broadhead. And so, you know, just making stuff for, for his own use basically. And then sure, you know, yeah. passing it out to friends, family, and then their Se- friends. seems to be a common, a common that's, theme with a lot of people that we talk with. <laughs> that's how all this stuff starts is looking yeah. at the market going, man, what I actually want doesn't exist. But hey, I know a buddy or I've got the right tools. Like I'm I'm going to put something together for my own use. And then people start asking about it and next thing you know you're, you know, starting to, you know, pump them out in production. Yeah, no, yep. it's it's amazing and then um you know, I've obviously kind of, you know, with the it being a family business have been around it for a while, but I kind of took the lead about 5 6 years ago on trying to build it. And obviously, you know, some of the new branding stuff that you see today has been kind of a, a long process in the works, but, um, I'm kind of the, the marketing guy. That's kind of what I went to school for. So, you know, how to communicate to, to dealers, you know, you have all these new, um, challenges. Um, I'll, I'll say that, that they're challenges, but you know, now opportunities, commu- opportunities, correct. Yeah. But you know, how do you, how do you ship product to South Africa? How do you ship product to Australia? What are the, the tariffs involved? You know, what are all these, the yeah. excise, you know, uh, taxes that you have to pay and how do you abide by all the, you know, government rules and regulations. So, um, that's kind of my role now in, in the company and I'll let, you know, I'll let Jeff, um, do his thing on the machines all day long. <laughs> it's always good to, to know, a a quality machinist. We've got a, a buddy of ours as a machinist down in Texas. And anytime someone has an idea, he, he whips stuff out real quick. He's a, he's quite the wizard on stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, so Jeff, it sounds like you and, and Mitchell's dad and, and one other guy were, uh, uh, the, the founders, what did, what did that origin story look like? Yeah. I, I know Mitchell said it was, you know, you guys saw it was kind of a, uh, you know, a gap in the market and you wanted to do your own thing, but how did, how did VPA come from being just a thought to being what it is today? Yeah. Well, I, I knew John and Tim for many years. I worked in other shops with them too. And we just kind of 
been together most of the time and and we're a job shop and we do anything from medical to automotive and uh we use a as a market grows and everything uh gets more modern we have more keep adding more cnc machines and and there's a lot of a lot of things you can do on them that you can't really do uh optimistically on manual equipment so um with the five axis and everything and so i'm gonna say started out with uh i was a bow hunter and and uh i liked uh being outdoors my whole life and spent a lot of time outdoors as a kid and hunting and everything and and uh archery is one of one of my passions and i started out and thought you know i could probably make a a good broadhead with these machines and so i just started playing around and and uh experimenting and tweaking things and make prototypes and then develop them into better prototypes and just continue and then uh and like i say made them for myself and and, right uh, worked with the heat treat and everything to get them right in the different steels to see what would hold up the best and be the most cost mm-hmm. effective and yeah yeah so I, uh, when uh, about a about what year was that when you were starting up and starting that up that was in 2009 that we started doing that okay yeah and, 10 uh, years ago that's yeah, a while yeah. so it just uh basically grew from that yeah and and i think you're gonna you guys are gonna find yourself in kind of a a unique, a unique time in the archery industry where, uh, guys like myself and Rob and Garrett that favor a lot of the style of broadheads that you guys make over what, you know, the industry standard is quote unquote, uh, to be, you know, uh, quite superior. Uh, and, and we're, you know, we're big fans of them. And, and I've, I mean, you know, I've known about your company at least for four or five years now as a, as a, great great broadhead manufacturer and somebody where uh you know it's it's a it's a no frills kind of kind of thing you know it, it's it's simple but man does does it work uh i've got i know a couple guys have gone over and and shot cape buffalo with your stuff and man if uh they can take out black death and it's, it's, it's it'll work fine on on a little north american game uh, uh, do you, uh, do you guys have any, uh, particular broadheads that you make that, uh, cause you, you make a lot of them, uh, that, uh, that you guys favor over, over one or the ones that you personally like? The ones I personally like, I mean, I mostly use a 250 green three blade for everything here in North America. Um, if I went to Africa, which I haven't been there or anything yet, but I'd probably end up using the, one of the heavier two blades, but, uh, I like say using, you know, a heavier broadhead up front and I usually use the inch and eight three blade two hundred and fifty grain. Yeah. I'll I take mean, that. that. I think uh, that'll definitely do the trick. Oh yeah. I mean here in North America, obviously we don't have as quite of large game as, you know, some of the other places. I, I always think it's interesting though to kind of see what, you know, regionally, because I, I kind of get that you know, viewpoint or that, you know, that window into a lot of the marketplace and, you know, who's using what in different regions of the world. And, and obviously I know there's, 
you know, depending on where you hunt, there's different rules and regulations too. I know some, some of the places in Africa, you have to have a certain, you know, weight set up even to, to be able to hunt there. So, um, mm-hmm. I know that's something to keep in mind. Um, uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we pretty much kind of have a, a fit for, you know, anybody that's on the market, everybody, you yeah. know, vented, non-vented, two blade, three blade. So it's always, it's always tough because everybody asks, you know, Hey, what's, what's the best, you know, product that I need to use for my upcoming hunt. And there's so many different, you know, facets with, you know, different setups or right. you're hunting yeah. or what kind of weather or what kind of, you know, ecological, um, you know, areas that you're going to be in. So, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot to consider when picking broadheads. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, arrows and broadheads is often the last thing picked when somebody goes to an archery shop to start to get into that kind of, uh, equipment or that kind of hobby, you know, it's go spend thousand dollars on a new bow, thousand dollars on new camo, get some high tech site and stabilizer set up and all that. And then, you know, let's go over the bargain bin for the arrows and broadheads. And yeah, I'm, I'm out of money. What's the cheapest broadhead and an arrow that you have? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When uh, uh, I, I feel like that's that's I would, you know, in order of importance, I think arrows and broadheads are going to be probably the most important thing that you can pick oh, for yeah. your hunt. And like, and like you said, I mean, you've, you know, and somebody calls you guys up, it's probably, you know, well, <laughs> We we have a, a smorgasbord of uh, of broadheads here for you to choose from, uh, which is which is cool because you guys can really tailor it to the the kind of hunting that your uh, uh, your customers are are doing. Um, so I have a you brought up something there. Uh, I believe it was Mitchell. Um, now I'm I'm definitely not a an aerospace engineer. Understand flight in like a very high capacity. But I've heard some people say that uh, vented broadheads will stabilize better. Is that is that? Now I, I personally I'm not a huge vented guy just because I I like solid piece. I don't I don't want any holes in anything. I you know I I just I want the most structural integrity possible. Uh, but is there is there like a flight benefit to that you guys have found over years of manufacturing to vented broadheads over uh, non vented? Well, that was the one advantage of going with a heavier broadhead going non-vented. You won't see hardly any difference between a vented and a non-vented on the heavier series of mm. broadheads. The only gotcha. advantage at of- that point, you've got enough, you know, weight up front that it's, yeah. that arrow is going that direction. Yeah. yeah. You know, the inertia is all headed that way and it it's going wherever it was pointed right the only advantage a vented would have would be if you got a, a lot more side wind but uh mm, usually it doesn't yeah. make that much difference yeah. yeah huh okay yeah i heard i heard somebody else mention that once and i had never really thought of it that way but huh, yeah I'll, I'll probably just stick to my solids i think yeah solids are not, nothing nothing <laughs> yeah no, nothing wrong with the vented as long as it as long as the structural integrity is there i don't right. have a problem with them uh, uh but i've i've seen some vented ones like man there ain't there isn't much meat left on <laughs> left on it after after they get vented cuz they're trying to squeeze out you know a big old cutting diameter out of a out of a 100 grain vented head and i'm just like man i don't know if that's a good idea but yeah you guys do you um, so what, what is like, what does the process look like? Like if 
you know, you're like, Hey, I want to, uh, we want to try and get this broadhead to market. What does, what does that look like uh, from, you know, the time it's uh, drawn on a napkin until, you know, it's, it's getting either stamped out or machined out or, or forged or however you guys do it for production. Yeah. And I can speak kind of where we're at. I mean, obviously we've fine tailored it over the years. I'm sure, um, you know, first starting out, Jeff had probably a lot more hurdles to go through um, than where we're at right now, uh, just because, you know, a lot of trial and error. But um, I mean, we, we basically keep everything within, a, you know, two to three um, hour radius as far as, you know, where we're sourcing our material. So, you know, you know, e- every little detail kind of is involved in, in the entire process of working with, you know, our, our sourcing groups for material and what kind of material we use. Um, so yeah. we get, you know, full round, um, steel bars in, which go through, uh, typically three different processes. Um, and those processes are, you know, making kind of a blank. And then, um, as Jeff kind of alluded to, you know, we have different five axis machines, um, yep. that, you know, that, you know, we kind of, depending on what style of, um, you know, product we're making, whether it's the vented, non-vented or mm-hmm. three blade, two blade. And then obviously the, the last process is kind of putting, um, you know, whether it's a screw in or glue on. So, you know, kind of putting that, that end piece onto the, the product. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's neat. So you guys, uh, from the sounds of it, you're, uh, I don't know what the, the technical term would be that it's not forged. It's, it's milled, uh, oh, yeah, it's uh from, a a, from a single bar machine. Yes. There we go. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a, Gotcha. Well, all our, our products ju- are precision CNC machines. So you kind of alluded to, you know, what some of our, you know, competitors or other groups are doing out on the market, you know, some, you know, weld to one piece, you know, I, I, I think obviously you have, you know, mechanical side and then you have the fixed blade side, but even within the fixed blade side, there's so many different variations of what people consider fixed blade. And, right. and so I think oh, yeah. we mm-hmm. really were yeah. kind of the, you know, the, I guess, pioneers of the machine, um, broadheads. I, I don't think, you know, to my knowledge and, and Jeff can maybe speak on that more, but I believe we were, you know, the, the first pioneers of actually taking a, you know, full hunk of steel and just put it on a machine and machining it down to, to what it, you know, what it looks like when you get it in your package. Like early days, you had all the like stamped and then like brazed heads yes. um you know where you would be stamping out two pieces and then brazing them together and sharpening up the sides um and then i mean you have guys that are doing um actual like uh hot forged you know uh heating up yeah, the material yeah, and then metal injection, metal injection metal injection metal uh, injection i mean there's all kinds of different ways of doing it and I mean, there's definitely some pros and cons within all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but having uh, as like when you're doing a machined head, as long as the raw material is good, then you know that there's good consistency, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, there's definitely benefits to going that route um from a consistency standpoint 
of yeah, you're ex- knowing you're exactly, exactly what right. you got. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the material side of it, you know, quality. Um, obviously, we were a little bit biased on what route we were taking just because we already had all the equipment and machines. So, oh, yeah, sure you use what you got. Yeah, yeah, you definitely use what you got. Um, so, I, I think that was, you know, one of our main reasons why we even got into that that element of, of manufacturing. But, you know, everybody kind of, you know, whether it's a cost element at the beginning. So everybody kind of has to make that decision on, you know, how they want to manufacture their heads, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's proven, I think over the years, um, how we've been doing it. So, yeah, well, your guys stuff is durable as hell. What's the, just from a non-machinist standpoint, what is the, what's the advantage of having it milled versus doing something like, you know, metal injection or, or something like that? Well, doing, Metal injection, a lot of times you're ending up with a, a porous, more of a porous, brittle uh, final product trying hmm. to control, throw that because it's it's a basically a powdered metal mixed with an emulsion and transferred uh, into the molds. And it's, you know, it's already heated and everything. So it's going in there and a lot of times you end up with a more porous type material. Where in using solid bar stock, it's already formed and either hot rolled or cold rolled into the mm-hmm. bar stock, and you can get right. the material certs and everything for they can control the process a lot better. So the only yeah. downside of the machinist machining a broadhead is is there is a lot more, you know, you're starting out with a lot more material, so it, it costs more yeah. initially, yeah. but you end up you know with a more solid. Uh, durable product yeah, the uniformity is definitely there especially like you mentioned having like the material certs if, if you have certified material you know that it's what you're asking for you know that it's to the standard that you're asking for and it's uniform when you're mm-hmm. dealing with like the powder stuff with injection you end up with with i guess a, a much greater potential for a more like granular uh, non-uniform structure and yeah, that, unless you're unless you're you're analyzing every single piece that comes out yeah you have no idea there there's really going got. to be voids there's going to be unseen issues mm-hmm. well know, that's that that's been what i i have heard in uh you know, uh, forged or, you know, metal injected, whatever you want to call it is That's two some, different things. some, Oh, is it, is it different? Okay. Well, the, uh, I think it was, I think it was forged that I heard that a lot of these people that try and do forge stuff, they will, uh, um, they'll have like air pockets in it. I don't know how to describe it, That's but not like, forged, at least the, the, the forged, processes that i'm aware of are essentially you have a a, like a a stamp and die and you're taking hot material and using pressure to form so you have a solid raw stock okay it must be metal injected that i'm thinking of then yeah metal injected is where you get the abnormalities because you depending on how that that material moves into the mold just like if right. you do a casting there's potential for 
you know, air bubbles or yeah. or pockets to form. Well, in the you don't get that I, uniformity. Sure, and I would also guess the inconsistency between the materials. Unless, I mean, and I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm not a machinist, but I know like when I do reloading stuff, I don't like, especially on like match, like, you know, the reloads I do for, for matches for, uh, for rifles, I don't like, I'll use all of one from one particular, uh, uh, bottle of powder and I won't move on to another one for until I'm in a completely separate match because, mm-hmm the like the consistency between those two like you know there's going to be variations right i load 43 43.3 grains of hogden's you know 4350 and and it for uh for this one you know bottle it may be completely different than the other bottle now typically it's not a huge thing but i would guess that's one thing that you could absolutely control uh and i would get and once again not a machinist but i would guess that the heat treatment on stuff like that is is super bizarre too because nothing's going to react the same either yeah i mean like on your powders you know like you're saying there's different lot numbers and there can be just a slight variation in one to the next it's still with intolerance but it makes a big difference on your final Mm -hmm. groups yeah but uh heat treat they've got a process where once they figured out how to it's going to work the best. They'll re- keep repeating that same process. They got it scheduled to run the same way every time. So, yeah. And you know, right. a lot of the stuff's automated anymore. So, it's, well, uh, I mean, the one thing, like you mentioned, tolerances, that's one thing that a lot of people, I guess, that don't deal with manufacturing uh, sometimes overlook is the more pieces the more d- different parts uh, all of those have their own sets of tolerances. Mm-hmm. And so you can have something that is 100% in tolerance. It's in spec, but the sum of all of those tolerances can still result in something having an issue. Right. You yeah, know, all the it, components it's not together. Exactly. It's the sum of all parts, not, you know, so the more pieces you have, the more chance you have of having an issue. Right. Well, and that's, that's another thing that you, you know, kind of separates you guys from a lot of, a lot of other manufacturers is you guys run everything, you know, it's a monolithic design. Like you said, it all comes out of one bar. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So uh, what's the, uh, what's the big benefit of that? I'm sure there's multiples, but I guess the, the highlights there. The, the biggest benefit would be the durability of it and the structural integrity and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the precision of it. So it, you're getting the best of both worlds. So you're anytime you're using a multi-component broadhead, it's got to be fastened together one way or another, either by laser welding or, or silver soldering, brazing, or if they're just made to, fasteners. to uh, yeah, put components together with, on the ferrule and slots and whatever, but those are going to be your weakest links there. So, hmm. any, I mean, the material itself that they're using for maybe the blade would be good, but it's not going to, uh, in, the integrity of hooking it to the next component is going to be your, your weak spot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a, a you know, I am, I'm, I'm a fan of 
any broadhead that's that's durable. Uh, you know, I, I've I have broadheads and I've shot broadheads that are multiple pieces. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of bleeders because that's like one more piece than I would like to have. Normally, I'm a you know a strong ferrule and a strong blade kind of person. If I'm going to go with multiple pieces, I don't want to go with three with being a bleeder blade as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, monolithic designs have always kind of been been what I what I prefer more than uh, uh you know multiple multiple piece sets especially ones where the blades are like you know they're just held together by like a little ring or something I don't know I, I just I, when I see the yeah. way that some stuff is constructed it, it worries me um so you guys uh, cor- correct me if I'm wrong the majority of the broadheads that you guys make are 41l40 is that right well, we, we started out with, with different uh, materials, and that's where we we tried to uh, see what would be the best material, most cost-effective, and, mm-hmm. and have the durability that we're looking for. So we've experimented with several different types of material. Uh, we ended up using 41L40 for a long time, and uh, it, it held up really well. There's there's some of our, our broadheads that we've made for other companies and stuff where we've used uh, S7, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be the most uh, impact resistant material. Um, right. But uh, and, and we've we've gone to medium carbon uh, steels and and stuff. So we've uh, worked the process out with with the heat treat company the. Heat treat is one of the major uh, components of the whole process. That oh, yeah. uh, if they don't get that right, it can ruin the the whole thing. Oh, everything's either, toast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can either yeah, be too real or even. Uh, you, you can have a a, a a substandard material that's handled properly outperform uh, what should be a very high end material that isn't right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how, at least in, in my experience, that's how big of a role the, the heat treat process has. Yeah. The heat treat aligns the grains in the material itself. And if they heat treat them wrong, you, it's either going to be too soft and it's not going to hold an edge and it's going to bend easier or it's going to be too hard and it'll be brittle and it'll just snap off. So they got to get it right. Yeah. yeah. We've, uh, we've had a lot of meetings in the, the last couple of years with, you know, nailing down the process and, you know, even a, a few points up or down on the, the heat treating scale with the Rockwells. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing what, you know, just a little bit of change and, you know, even from, what the heating temperatures are to how long the batches are in there, how many parts we're doing all at one time. So there's, there's oh. a lot that goes into that heat treating process. And, um, and, you know, kind of while we're on the subject of different materials too, I'll kind of plug um, some of the new materials that we've come out with here in the last year or two. We've um, also incorporated some stainless steel products into our lineup. Yeah. Well, I saw that. Um, which I know, it, you know, everybody's, you know, getting back to that conversation of, you know, Hey, well, which product should I use? This is a kind of a, a whole nother facet to that as well. But, you know, for mm-hmm. the, you know, the enthusiast that doesn't want to really worry about maintenance or anything like that, I think it's a, a pretty good product just to, you know, throw on, on the, 
um, the end of your arrow and not have to worry about, you know, any rust or anything to that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The stainless line looks, uh, looks pretty nifty. Um, I think, did you come out with a new one, like within the past, like two months, the, what the one fifty non-vented, I think. Yeah. Um, so we, we've kind of through the years, like <laughs> even when, uh, Jeff was, you know, starting out, I think the, the very first one, Jeff, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was either like the three blade 100 grain or, um, a, a variety such as that. But each year we've kind of come out with a different grain weight and then we've added, you know, a vented or a non-vented to, to the lineup. And so for the past couple of years, you know, we started with the hundred grain, um, stainless and then we did the 125 and then yeah the the 150 has been our newest addition to that particular line you touched on i guess i wasn't sure if we were going to be chatting about this or not but you touched on that you've used some other materials for other companies now um if needed we can definitely cut this out but yeah no um, worries that's <laughs> if that's something that you guys are willing to talk about i know that you guys do yeah. work uh, do uh, manufacturing for a handful of other companies um, that have, you know, some differing designs um, than what you guys do. Some stuff similar. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, uh, would, would you be able to expand on that at all? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where um, I think eventually people find out, you know, if you're, if you're doing stuff, whether it's, you know, just word of mouth or those companies sharing things. I know, um, right now we're probably doing, you know, about a dozen or so, um, products for other companies within the industry. And as I mentioned, um, earlier too, you know, we do even manufacturing for other industries out there. So, but with strictly within the, you know, the archery and bow hunting industry, we're at about a dozen or so companies that, um, that we're the manufacturer of. So whether it's broadheads or different um, accessory components, because we, we do those things too, you know, whether it's for, you know, risers or sharpeners, um, you know, some of the companies that we can name just because we kind of have a relationship. So like KME sharpeners, uh, we, we make components for them. Um, oh, nice. And then on mm-hmm. the, uh, the broadhead side, um, you have a, uh, like a Rocky Mountain specialty gear company that, that we produce. Um, pretty much all their line line of products as well nice nice so i i guess that that was the follow-up question was sharpening uh i would guess that you uh you kind of favor the kmes over uh over other stuff for uh for your guys's uh broadheads well yeah i mean we're a little little biased since we we make them in-house but <laughs> that, that um, that's understandable <laughs> it's a nice system it is yeah. it's a, it's it's the best i think it's the best sharpener uh out there for broadheads easily I've, I've been using mine for i don't know how many years yeah it's uh you know really we get asked you know a couple questions all the time and that's one of those questions that we frequently get is you know okay how do i how do i sharpen these things i know they got you know a long life on them the three blades are pretty easy you know just laying we engineered them to where you can just lay them flat on a sharpening stone but with our two blade series it is a little bit trickier to you know line up the blade angle and you know get a a nice you know smooth finish and you know a good edge on it Um, so the KME sharpener just is you know makes a world of difference of just the ease and you know being able to 
uh, keep that angle consistent. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what kind of, when, when you are, when you're coming out with a, a new broadhead, what kind of testing do you, uh, at least want stuff that you can talk about, I guess, uh, uh, do you put them through to make sure they're up to snuff for you guys? Shoot them at anything and everything. <laughs> <laughs> get, get them in the hands of killers. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well, I mean, Jeff has probably progressed since, since day one. So I think it was more or less, okay, you know, is, is this going to, you know, be effective in the field, but through the, the years, um, obviously one is working hand in hand with our, our metal experts, um, to make sure that, you know, the consistency is there, like, you know, we've continued to discuss. So making sure all of our process, our processes are in line. And then, you know, once we get the, the final product out, checking for the, the hardness levels, um, with the, you know, the heat treating process. Um, so we have different testing that we do with that, where we're, um, you know, kind of manipulating the, the broadhead in different ways, kind of doing some smash tests. Um, so, you know, we have kind of a whole gamut of, um, heat treating tests that, that we do. And then obviously, um, flight and accuracy, we, we actually believe it or not, we, uh, hand test every single broadhead that goes out for, you know, straightness and, um, cause sometimes in the, uh, heat treating process, y- you will have variations of, you know, the metal kind of deforming. So whether we're, um, you know, re remachining those or, um, you know, taking out any products that don't spin true. And then basically the, the last part is just the, the durability. So as we put in a new line of products, so, you know, if, if it's a vented line, for instance, it's, um, you know, we're going to want to make sure that we have the right blade thickness on there. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. if you go, you know, too thin, um, you, you're going to lose some integrity with that. So, uh, it's just a lot of trial and error really, um, that comes down to it and, and just making sure everything is consistent then. And then once you get, you know, that final product that you feel confident in, it's just, you know, doing that over and over again, thousands of times. Yeah. Just gotta gotta get it get it mastered and then figure out how not to mess it up. <laughs> exactly. uh, so I, I guess kind of a stupid. Sorry, go ahead. So you get you get a lot of people that they want their own name on a broadhead, but they want say like a a two inch cut diameter and three inches long, and they want it to weigh a hundred grains. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you're like we're not physically impossible. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> there are limitations as, as thick as a sheet of paper if yeah. you want to do it that way <laughs> yep. so, oh that's funny we um, try to discourage yeah, people from that yeah yeah no kidding um, so kind of a stupid question I guess I've, I've in my head I think I know the answer but I've never actually asked or or got an answer I guess is heat treating a broadhead done at the very or is it done after it's been milled out or is it, is the bar heat treated and then you mill it? Yeah. It's uh, it's heat treated after it's machined and then, okay. And then, uh, and then they come back and then they're, we test them, make sure everything's good. And then they, and they go to coders and uh, when they come back from coders, then they get ground, they get sharpened. Yeah. Tested and spin tested and everything. Yeah. Um, you guys, you also make a riser, don't you, for a traditional bow? Mm-hmm. We do, it's yeah. A, um, it's oh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, it's just uh, that's what 
I shot traditional bows for 15 years and I started out with that in uh, back in around 2000 and and just like the broadheads uh, I like I wanted something that was simple and durable and uh, something that looked good and and uh, was fully functional and so uh, we've made uh, risers for other companies and stuff and kind of just took the best of the of the best ideas and just kind of put them together and and yeah come up with our own design and and uh if you look at most of your long bows and stuff you'll you'll see the riser section is is pretty short and so the uh working part of the of the bow is uh the limbs so if you have a right. shorter riser and longer limbs your limbs are going to be be more durable because they're not bending at such acute angles all the time and Mm-hmm, and they're going to be yeah. sm- smoother and everything. So it's it's an ILF riser, so it's an international limb fitting. Yeah, uh, there's there's I'm lots of <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of uh, manufacturers that make the limbs, so you can swap them out, make it a recurve longbow, different lengths, whatever you want. Yeah, from yep. different uh, Ooh. materials and foam core, you know, laminates and. Yeah, uh, man, so I just saw your, I just saw your copper color. Yeah, I, oh, di- yeah. I dig that. That looks well, awesome. Because I've been in the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at putting together an ILF setup. Uh, I've been the last couple of years, I've been playing with single piece bows, and uh, as this one had come across my my radar is that a yeah. are those uh jaeger grips that come with them yes they oh are, sweet yeah. rob you need to you need to get this i know that's what <laughs> i was i guess bringing up was it had yeah. definitely caught my eye i knew that that you guys had one i haven't ever seen one in person and so i was just as i'm searching and trying to figure out what i want to put together it popped back up for me and i've been looking at it a bit closer here that's the one thing that did kind of throw me off was uh that the the length is 13 inches it's short but i mean but that's a they want the 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 longer longer yeah and that's that the explanation made sense yeah it was just one of those where like before i had came back to this one i had kind of in my head going okay i want like a 17 or a 19 and then i know i'm going to be using you know a medium or potentially a long limb and then i'm like okay well if it's a 13 not now now what what am, what's my limb setup gonna be <laughs> yeah well that'll be i mean man that'd be a great hunting bow though well and that was my with, thought with with sam's envelope so rob and i do some uh prototype testing for a boyer out of california uh and he uh he makes uh are we calling him super curves that there it, there's going to be another name but they're like the super curve limbs that you've seen from mm-hmm. other manufacturers and uh and he's got a 15 inch riser right now from another yeah. another manufacturer and he said mm-hmm. he had wished he had gone with a 13 uh so rob yeah. i think i think that's that, what you need that to might get. be my ticket because i that's yeah. been my debate is it i'm not 
like competitive. I, at least at this point, any of my competitive stuff is still compound. Um, mm-hmm. Traditional is hunting for me. That's so, exactly what the it, riser was designed for. It's set up for hunting. Yeah, exactly. It's designed to shoot, it, shoot off the shelf and everything. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I and use that's stainless steel inserts. And, like, because so, yeah. honestly, with, with looking at ILF, that was one of my kind of hesitations is I've only dealt with single piece bows. I've only shot off the shelf. And so I start looking at all my options for ILF and all the, you know, plungers and all these adjustments. I'm like, this, this is back to, I, I work <laughs> on other people's compound bows. Yeah, and that's what pushed me into, into traditional was yeah. the simplicity and being able to just go, okay, hey, my brace height's good, yep. and I'm running, right? Instead of, like, all these bows that I'm dealing with for other people, having, you know, to go through everything. And yeah, so the simplicity once you got it is set really, up, it's there. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really the core of of traditional for me is is the, the purity, the, the simplicity of it. Yeah. So... It, it's definitely it's definitely one of the the options i'm I'm considering right now yeah well that's, yeah, that's, a, that's the whole thing that's a, that's a beautiful piece of machinery for sure yeah that's what it you know if you if you're if you miss the target uh with with those you realize that it's not the bow it's you exactly <laughs> yeah. it is so. all it's all the idiot behind <laughs> behind the bow. <laughs> so. Oh man! So uh, explain uh, explain your turkey spur to me. I've seen I've seen them for a while. I I haven't picked any up because I've traditionally shot a two hundred grain uh, a two hundred grain broadhead, and but I think this year uh, I have a another one twenty five. I'm going to give a whirl. I'd like to kill. So Kansas just moved their their limit down to to one bird. I and I normally hunt Kansas and Missouri, so I can kill three birds total. I've got one broadhead here that I'd like to kill one with. I'd definitely like to kill another one with one of your turkey spurs. Uh, explain explain that to somebody, since especially since turkey season's right around the corner. Yeah, well, it's uh, basically designed so it doesn't pass through the bird, so your arrow will, will stay in it, so it doesn't fly off with with your arrow, so mm. it pins its wings. Uh, ah, yeah. That's that's the basic design of it. Um, to slow it down inside the bird. So, um, yeah, if you, if you get a pass through and it's not in the best place, it can run off or fly off and you'll never find it. But, right. Um, it at least if it can't go anywhere, pin, then you can chase it down and, <laughs> and stomp it or something. Yeah. So that's, what, that's basically what I find funny. <laughs> what yeah. I find funny is that you guys did this design intentionally to to counteract penetration right for mm-hmm. turkey but mm-hmm. you look elsewhere on the market and you <laughs> yeah. see stuff that is you know not the same design but similar concept of broadhead up front and then an expansion behind it mm-hmm. and they're advocating it for big game yeah and you're going <laughs> And, you know, we start looking at that and go, why would I, why would I ever want that on the back of the broadhead? 
Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to penetrate. <laughs> like yeah. Turkey, yeah. it makes sense. I, I fully get that. I just thought it was a funny, <laughs> yeah. Side note. <laughs> At least you guys uh, are o- aware of what that does and go. Yeah, that that's what it's supposed to do. It, it's yeah, trying to keep it in the bird. Right. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're. They're wicked looking little dudes, that's for sure. I wouldn't want to be in front of one. That looks like it. That hurt more coming coming in the second time when that second part gets gets there. Yeah. Uh, so you um uh, and kind of like what Mitchell alluded to earlier, you guys have gone through like a complete rebranding. You have a beautiful new website. It looks yeah. incredible. Good it looks, job. It looks great. Thank looks you. great. Uh um uh, tell talk about what this rebranding has looked like for you guys because I as somebody who has worked for multiple companies that have gone through that. It is not easy. And I am, thank God, thank God every day I was not a part of the team that was, uh, uh, doing that. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, congrats. It all looks great. All looks great. Thanks. And can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can. Okay. Perfect. I, I had, something with my my mic here but yeah I'll, i guess i'll i'll speak on behalf of that because that's been kind of my baby here the last you know how many ever months to several years of in in the making but um basically kind of getting back even to the initial setup of vpa you know they had to kind of figure out okay how are we going to get you know these broadheads to customers and so you had to go through well we got to find a, a packaging group and then you know well we got to have a way for people to buy. And so we kind of had, um, just somewhat of a, you know, put together website. Um, and we were able to, you know, have some online sales and then we were able to kind of, you know, put the, the skull, um, head with the flames. I, I know that's kind of been our, uh, our MO with the, the company and kind of our brand in the past. So we wanted to try to keep, as much stuff incorporated with this, with this new logo and the new branding so that, you know, people can still recognize what we're doing. Um, but we definitely, it was, it was needed to kind of give us a little bit better of a facelift and kind of freshen us up a little bit. Cause, um, really we've had our, our logo and our, our branding, um, the same since the initial, you know, 2008, 2009 timeframe. Um, yeah. so just kind of understanding that, you know, we needed a facelift. And so, we kind of worked locally with a, a group here in town um, that I was really familiar with and, and they've done a, a great job um, with some of the um, other companies here in, in town. And so, you know, we started with, okay, you know, really kind of understanding who we are as a company, you know, what, what we stand for, um, you know, what our, you know, overall goal is, um, you know, what kind of niche market we're in. And then from there really expanding saying, okay, well, Here's kind of a, a logo that would, you know, fit our needs and, you know, have a, a little bit better slick looking design. And then um, the the website was a beast. I'm not going to lie on that that behalf. Yeah. Even right now, <laughs> yeah. I had uh, one of my one of my buddies texted me today and they're like, well, you, did you know that this page still has, you know, some some uh, word gibberish on it? You know, when when you're first setting up uh your website and I don't know the the technical terminology of that but <laughs> yeah no um, I some filler stuff there yeah yeah filler yeah. filler stuff so you know even as of of today I was like going back through I'm like oh yeah I, we we missed that but um so it's a it's an ever evolving door but um yeah I, I think it looks sharp you know I'm 
I, you know, I'm pretty proud of uh, what we were able to do. And then, um, you know, the rebranding goes all the way through to, you know, what paperwork we're sending our dealers. So, you know, making sure that's all uniform and having the new logos and um, all the new product pictures, I think look really crisp and you can really zoom in and see all the, the high quality angles of the, the different broadheads and, um, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of, you know, what the vents look like even, and, you know, the different feral designs. Uh, yeah. So. As, as a, as an individual and as a listener base that, uh, that definitely looks into stuff like that. Thank you. We, we appreciate yeah. it. I don't know how many times we've, we've passed pictures back and forth of, of, you know, like online previews of, uh, of products and been like, does this angle look weird to you? And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's good to, uh, yeah. And your guys' stuff, man, I I'm telling you, your website looks incredible. Like you did a really good job on this. And I, I speak to that as somebody who is still struggling to put our website <laughs> together. It's, it's coming uh, along. It's, it, it is, it's coming along, but man, I, it's a, it's a beast. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on there and you guys mm. have are a huge, chunk of that because you have so many broadheads that I, that I have to talk about, uh, which is, which is great. Uh, um, you guys, I mean, you offer two, I mean, you offer from a hundred to what, 300 grains. Do you offer heavier than 300 or is that, is that, is that where you tap out? You just stop at 300, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we, for our own personal line, we actually have, um, some products, you know, I don't know whether they're actually functional, um, products or they're just wanting to show how big of a, a broadhead they have, but we've, uh, made up to 500 grains, I believe is our, our largest Jeff. My goodness. <laughs> that's a, that's my kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a beast. Yeah. Rob, Rob shoots a, an arrow. That's I, I'm, I'm the oddball large. in the group. I shoot heavy <laughs> bows and I shoot very heavy arrows. There you yeah. go. We all shoot heavy, but I'm, yeah, I'm Rob, a little heavier. Rob, Rob, uh, I, I, uh, Garrett, Garrett makes most people blush in <laughs> in his arrow weight. I, I make Garrett blush a little bit. I'm a little bit heavier, and then I'm just scared to be in the same room as Rob because uh, <laughs> his are his are just so my, my so darn heavy. My compound setup is a 975 grain arrow at 230 feet per second. Well, there you go. Can't go too far so. through too many animals. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they, they they move. That's my longbow. My my longbow setup is seven like forty, I think. Yep. But that's a seventy six pound bow, so that's you know just you're at near, ten grains per pound. Ten grains really. per pound for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it makes the bow quieter and and yeah, it's it's uh, easier. There's a lot of benefits. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I just. For me, it's simply a matter of I, I'm comfortable, like for my compound, I'm comfortable with the trajectory that I can get between like 225 and 235 feet per second. Mm -hmm. And I can still, with, with how I anchor and how I set up my bows, I can still practice out to 100 yards. So as bows have gotten better, as performance has increased and my weight just kind of kept going up to keep myself in that same, you know, trajectory that I was used to. Yep. And now I find myself, you know, shooting a dangerous game arrow at everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we are, here we are with that. 
Well, uh, um, so you can buy, yeah, you guys, you do have dealers, right? I, I'm, I'm not, uh, crazy to think that. Yeah. Um, and actually that was another element that we added to the website. So we kind of have a geographical map now. Um, so you can either type oh, yeah, in where yeah. you're, you're from and, uh, it'll kind of, so I think we're close to, you know, 50 to 60 different dealer groups, um, that we work with and we work with, um, distributors and I think three or four different countries now as well. Wow. Nice. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. So you can, you can either buy from a dealer or directly from you guys, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, the direct to consumer was, was basically our first channel. And then as Mm -hmm. you know, our popularity, um, continued to grow, I think, um, different dealer groups, especially, you know, for our kind of niche market at the time, were really, you know, wanting to carry these for their customers. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a little bit of a cost savings too. You, you don't have to pay for shipping when you go into a, a dealer group. Um, and then obviously too, you get to, you know, see the product in, in person and touch and feel, which I, I think is a, you know, it's, it's one of those things now with so much stuff being bought online. Um, you know, I know that's a, a continued conversation with, you know, our brick and mortar store is going to be here for the, the long haul. And, and I think for our particular industry, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives in, in having the brick and mortar store where people can go in and actually feel and touch and see the product and see, you know, the type of quality that they're going to be purchasing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely as, a big part of it. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And as you know, somebody, uh, well, hell, the podcast, the week before this last one was released, Rob and I, you know, we, we talked for a good, probably 20 minutes on finding ways to, uh, to support small businesses and, and specifically archery shops during this weird time of complete lockdown. And, uh, uh, I think that, you know, having, having dealers, uh, or having, giving people the ability to be a dealer is, is a really big, uh, help to the archery industry as a whole. So if I, like, if I walk into an archery shop, because I, I, I like to hold and feel and touch before I buy something, uh, but the, the catch that is with a lot of this stuff, uh, because the stuff that, that myself and Rob and Garrett and people like us shoot, it's not readily available to most, you know, most places don't carry it. Some do, but um, the the majority of them don't. So if I walk into an archery shop, like if I'm one of the listeners and, and they don't happen to be a VPA dealer, can that dealer, uh, can that shop just call you and, and figure out what, uh, what the process is like to be a dealer for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of the, uh, um, you know, the contact with regards to a lot of our dealer groups and distributor groups. So we, we always get customers that call in and say, you know, Hey, I love your guys' product. I, I want to support, you know, our local business or, you know, community with, you know, purchasing, um, you know, at a particular dealer's, um, business, um, set So, uh, we always recommend, you know, hey, if, if that's the case, you know, have them reach out to us or give us their contact information. And I've followed up with, uh, you know, dozens of groups around not only North America, but, you know, elsewhere, elsewhere around the world. And, um, you know, I've, that's really how we've been able to grow is, is word of mouth. So, um, you know, we work with small dealer groups all the way up to dealer groups that are buying, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of packs from us, uh, on an annual basis. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Any, I've, I always, 
you know, and it's especially hard here, here in the Midwest where, you know, the biggest game we'll chase is whitetail. I, I feel, I feel like it might be a little more easy to convince people out West where you're chasing elk, you know, it's like, Hey, I'd like something, uh, you know, a bit heftier and, and, uh, you know, has, has a bit more mass to it, but it, sometimes it can be hard pressed to convince any local shop owner here in Kansas city that they need to carry a broadhead that's heavier than 125 grains. Uh, so, so yeah. it's still, it's still something I, I try, but, uh, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll at least, uh, go and see if they've got anything, but you know, I normally have to resort to going online. Um, well, and, and speaking of, uh, if people want to order online, uh, you guys were kind enough to set something up for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we discussed it and, and, uh, obviously we want to give back to your listening group. Um, and we, you know, first of all, we really appreciate you having us on here to talk about our, our brand and kind of what we're doing. So, um, we, we love platforms like this that get to educate, um, kind of the, the archery nuts we call them, um, or bow hunting nuts. But, um, yeah, we, we're going to set up a coupon for your listeners. So, uh, we'll do 10% off and, uh, you guys can go on to the, the new gleaming website. So check out our, our new website that was just, uh, launched a couple weeks ago and the coupon code is going to be lethal. So, um, so you can just plug that in at, at the checkout and, uh, um, you know, you'll, you'll get that 10% off and we hope that you guys can check out all of our different product lines, especially with some of the new seasons coming up here and yep. And, yep. Uh, now's the time have. to test. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now's, oh, the, exactly. now's time to, to start figuring out what you think you want and, and, uh, and start honing that in That's I mean, and just, just to be clear, uh, uh, we, the podcast does not get, we don't get any compensation off of that. And I just want, everyone to know because we've we've been called sponsored before but we're we're not <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, we you know we don't see any compensation there but VPA was uh, uh, and Mitchell and Jeff were kind enough to put that together for our listeners and I will be using that coupon code so I can I can get some uh, <laughs> some stuff that I've been I've been eyeing for a while so I'm pretty pretty excited about that um, Rob Garrett any anything else that you think we need to touch on before we cut these guys loose for a, a weekend no i think uh covered a lot of good stuff and uh that's i mean we, we i know that we've talked about uh their broadheads uh previously on quite a few occasions so i mean it, you guys are making great stuff and i mean from yeah, I didn't how even. How long sorry, you I, guys have been doing this now? Um, you know, in my mind, you, and, along with a handful of other companies, are a big part of the the change that we're starting to see the fruits of now. Absolutely, I absolutely. Mean, there's there's definitely a, a change that is happening in the industry in the last six months to a year where we're starting to see more um more people looking at durability looking mm-hmm. for a little heavier uh heads and components to to get better front of center better total weight and having quality systems to recommend is a key part of that 
So I appreciate what you guys have done and glad we were able to chat with you. Yeah. And I completely forget. I completely forgot to mention uh, for, for people who have like, who may not have pulled up their website by now. uh, I know one of the biggest points of contention that we have is people, you know, for a lot of the, the manufacturers we've had on and a lot of the gear that, that some of us personally shoot, uh, a lot of, you know, these blue collar guys can't, you know, it, it's, it's tough to get into that kind of stuff, uh, as far as price point goes. And you guys are beyond competitive. And that's, that's the part that frustrates me the most. And I'll, I'll let you guys speak to it a little bit if you want. Uh, but I'll see guys that'll, that'll spend, you know, that 45 to 50 bucks on, uh, in my opinion, a, a crappy fixed blade or, or even worse yet, uh, mechanical it's kind of a dirty word we don't say too much around here uh um but uh uh, i mean you can spend basically the same amount of money uh i mean if not i mean sometimes a cheaper hell the like the new like whatever uh the the new titanium rages or whatever they're like seven seventy bucks for a three pack and i know some other mechanicals that uh uh, manufacturers that we may or may not have uh, brushed paths with are, they're like $80 for a three pack. It just blows my mind. And then the, the steel they're using is crap. There's not hardly any material there because it only weighs a hundred grains and the blades are a fraction of what the actual material is. And, and I don't, I don't get it when you can spend the same amount of money, if not less with somebody like VPA and have an, an immensely, immensely better setup. Uh, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first person to say that, I'm not somebody to shy away from spending money on gear, but I'd put a VPA up uh, in dur- in the durability realm against anybody. Uh, uh, I mean, your guys, I mean, the, the design has, has been there. Oh, for sure. The design has been there for years, right? I mean, especially, especially your, your, uh, two blade, uh, the Tonto on that, man, that, that thing's tough as nails. I've, I don't even know how many Cape Buffalo, you guys have probably tipped over with those things. Uh, and, and if it's good enough for Cape Buffalo, then damn it, it's going to be good enough for a whitetail. So <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, I don't understand why people can't just figure out that you can spend the same amount of money and just get a, a way better head just frustrates the crap out of me. Well, yeah. honestly, I have, I have no issue with these conglomerate, you know, big umbrella companies that own the vast majority of the, the junk heads. Um, you know, looking at the market, seeing that companies like, you know, VPA and, you know, Bishop and Grizzly Stick and Valkyrie and better companies. Which are great heads, which are, are great heads. But yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. I, it, I was yeah. saying that they're seeing those companies. Right. And they automatically selling think already out of the game, yeah. selling for good money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most of these conglomerates are pure cost. That's mm-hmm. th- it's pure profits. You're making a head for 50 cents and you're selling it for $45. And so if they think that they can try and sell that, you know, design by making it, you know, using a, a higher grade feral, you know, material and put it in the same price point. I'm all for that because that is all the more reason for someone to switch to a better head. Yep. Because now there is no argument that, oh, well, this one is so much cheaper. No, right. you can save money by going to this better head. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm so all no, for that. Let, let them it. drown we don't themselves. Spend a lot. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of money on advertising. It's, it's been more word of mouth and put more money right, back right. into the product itself and make it a better product. Yeah. Well, yeah. and in my mind, that's a more stable game. It's a slow growth. Yeah. But the growth that you have is stable and it's consistent. You're not going to, you know, you assign some big name, you know, TV personality and you do some million dollar marketing campaign and you get a sales spike. Well, right. now in order to try and maintain that, you've got to keep spending a million dollars. Yep. Right. Yeah. So it, from a business standpoint, that's, I mean, I don't advertise. I don't, I don't even talk about my shop on here and it, it's word of mouth. So you're still you busier know, than people you can that, that keep find up with. Me, they found me because someone else was happy yep, and yep. I'm good with that. Yep, absolutely. Garrett, are you, are you there now? Yeah, my mic's working now, I think. Did nope. we lose him? Dang it. <laughs> Can you hear me? Something happened Garrett, in the middle here. Yeah, we lost we lost Garrett. I think he I, said he had a had a question. Can oh, can him. you hear him? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh. Uh, man. Maybe Zencaster is <laughs> getting fired today. I don't know. I don't know. Man. Well, sorry if Garrett if Garrett can hear us, I apologize cuz we can't hear him. Oh man. Say, I what can a, hear everybody. So man, is it, is this the first time we've recorded with five people? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It might be. I think we've all always been four. Maybe maybe five is the tipping point. Maybe I can't I can't go go past four people. <laughs> uh well, I'll uh, I'll let and maybe it will record. We'll see. Uh I will open up the floor to Garrett and he can answer he can ask his question and uh, uh if uh uh, Mitchell and Jeff want to answer it, then we'll let it go. And if it doesn't work, I'll edit it out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Can you guys hear me? I can. Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Okay. Um, I guess I have a couple questions. So you guys are uh, obviously fixed blade guys, as are we. Um, how much do you get bugged about like when are you guys going to make a mechanical blah, blah, blah. And how do you deal with that? All the time. When it comes <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine. Yeah, we get, I mean, we get requests all the time, whether it's, you know, even within our fixed blade series of, of products, you know, hey, are you guys going to, you know, make this particular product in a vented series or, you know, are you guys going to be going to, you know, different grain weights or using different materials? So uh, we, we get those questions asked pretty frequently. And um, as of right now, we don't have any plans to go on the uh, mechanical route. So I think think we're Thank staying Jesus. on the uh yeah. the uh, fixed good. blade team for a while so <laughs> Woo, very very good uh i guess and the second question is are you guys affiliated with uh razor custom shop at all so yeah yeah he asked the the question if we're affiliated with uh razor um so i think it's razor vpa so um initially ray who um was one of uh, the individuals that, you know, was kind of here during the, um, the initial time of uh, kind of opening up VPA and 
and starting the company. Um, he did some accessory pieces. So I, he does still uh, produce or sell some some uh, products that we actually manufacture for him. So mm-hmm. a lot of the products that he sells are like kind of customized broadheads. So they have like a an arrow vent. Um, like the shape of a arrowhead in the vents. Um, he yeah. does some like different footers. Um, so I would consider him as kind of a, a, a sub company that we just manufacture for, but, but yeah, we are gotcha. um, tied, tied with him. So See, I think that was when I first learned about you guys was through the, you know, I was looking for footers or something and that his stuff popped up and then, you know, it used okay. to be, used to have him up as like, you know, razor VPA custom shop or whatever, Yep. Something like that, but yeah. And then uh, I'll have to give you guys some contact info for some dealers around where I live because we need more actual good heads, not just the ones that you can buy in the store around here that aren't great. So yeah, yeah. We any yeah. Uh, recommendations as far as companies that we need to develop relationships with or dealer groups that are in your area. Um, and that's, you know, open to all of your audience as well. So um, definitely go to our website. Um, we have, you know, an inquiry um, section where you can, you know, send us messages or, um, you know, chat with us even. So um, definitely we, we certainly recommend and that, and as we've been kind of pounding on the, the element, you know, that's how we've been able to, to grow here and, and get, you know, a bigger um, market space. So, yeah, I know like, well, Oregon, I live in Oregon, so you know, we just legalized mechanicals last year, but People are still pretty diehard on the fixed blade train, but there's not that many that are very good around here. I mean, you know, there's Valkyrie, but not very many people want to pay for that. So, yeah, yeah, I think no, there's but- a pretty decent hole in the market around where I live because there's not a dealer within 200 miles from where I live, at least not, you know, that's listed on your website. So I'll try to get some Perfect. to you. Hey, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. I'll let so, Matt know that. Is that all the questions you had? Yeah, that was, no, those no, are my, gonna... no, yeah, those are my main questions. I don't know what is going on with my mic that they can't hear me now. But <laughs> I'll let them know that I'm done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, excellent. He's, uh, I think he's done with his questions. So hopefully no, we are okay, able okay. To, <laughs> to get that. This is going to be the most interesting editing job <laughs> I've ever done on any podcast so far. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm terrified, but I'm very excited at the same time. Uh, well, I know we went, uh, I know we like kind of sort of wrapped up like 15 minutes ago and now we're, we're doing it again. Uh, but <laughs> that's but okay. Je- yeah, that's no, it's, it's fine. Time. Oh yeah. Boy, it's, it's like my MO is to think, think we're done. And then for me to drag it on. Uh, so, okay. So what, one more time, just to confirm, uh, um, the 10% off code is uh, lethal on your website, yep. right? Okay, yep. cool. Yeah. Go so, in and, uh, put in lethal and the coupon code at checkout and you'll get that 10%. And we, uh, really, you know, appreciate you guys having us on here and being able to kind of showcase w- what we're doing. And so hopefully that's, um, helpful for a lot of your guys' listeners, especially those that are, you know, maybe, first time hearing us and you know want to kind of test out some of our products yep absolutely absolutely yeah, well thanks perfect. yep uh mitchell jeff appreciate your time thanks for uh sitting down with us and uh you guys have a great weekend and uh yeah. get out there and hunt if you can yeah thanks, thanks perfect. for having us on thank you thanks yeah. thanks guys thanks